Welcome everybody to Socratica Reads. My name is Kimberly Hatch Harrison, and I'm the co-founder of Socratica. We make futuristic videos about math, science, and computer programming. This podcast is all about how reading inspires the work we do, but it's also about how great books connect us with the ideas people have around the world, not just now, but in the past and the future. One topic that's like catnip to any STEM kid is the multiverse, parallel lives. Every time you make a choice, strawberry or chocolate, you split off another life. How different would our lives be if we had made different choices along the way? So today's book on this topic has been on my TBR, to be read, list for a while now, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. It's one of those books you see on the shelf of recommendations at your local bookstore, and your friends have all read it, and the LA Public Library keeps offering it to me on my ebook app, available now for a quick seven-day loan. So I finally gave in and read it. Socratica friends, I did not like it. <laughs> but just because you don't like a book, that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. It's fun to share your enthusiasm for a book that really works, but it's also interesting to figure out why a book doesn't work. So what happened here? As soon as the premise became clear, I was into it. There's a library you might get a chance to visit at the moment when you straddle life and death. When you open a book from this library, you are allowed to see the roads not taken. This is a story I want to read. I want to know if the main character already knows about the choices she made that changed her life, or were there small things she didn't realize she could have done differently? But, you know, we have to care about the protagonist. We need to understand them and feel something for them. We don't have to love them. We might be frustrated by them, or annoyed by them, or even hate them. I feel nothing. <laughs> the, the protagonist, Nora, doesn't make any kind of sense to me. She's not a real person. A writer is a creator. In the truest sense of the word, they have the power to create living, breathing, thinking people who continue to live on in our minds long after we close the book. Tell me Elizabeth Bennet isn't a real person. I could tell you all about her and predict how she would act in a given situation and what she would say. Can I tell you anything about Nora, the heroine of this book? No. <laughs> she, she's talented, I'll give you that. She's so talented. Why, she could have been an Olympic swimmer if she hadn't quit swimming. She could have been a famous rock star. She could have been a great scientist studying glaciers. This is such an insult to scientists, musicians, swimmers. It's like that lie that people started telling their kids. You can be anything you want to be. You're such a genius. Here's a trophy. That nightmare of a parenting technique has come to life in this book. The author apparently thinks it's actually true. Alright, I'm about done here. But I have to send this message to writers everywhere. If you don't understand your character, don't write them. This is a man who wrote a caricature of a fantasy woman and has no idea what this woman thinks, feels, wants. Nothing. She doesn't care about anything. So we don't care about her. We don't even care that she's in this remarkable place 
being given this remarkable chance. I am still going to read you an excerpt that I do like. The Librarian. I think she might actually be a real person. Maybe you'll see what I mean. Are you ready? Let's begin. The shelves of the Midnight Library were quite still again, as if their movement had never even been a possibility. Nora sensed they were in a different portion of the library now, not a different room as such, as there seemed to be only one infinitely vast room. It was difficult to tell if she really was in a different part of the library, as the books were still green, though she seemed closer to a corridor than where she had been. And from here she could see a glimpse of something new through one of the stacks, an office desk and computer, like a basic makeshift open-plan office, positioned in the corridor between the aisles. Mrs. Elm wasn't at the office desk. She was sat at a low wooden table right there in front of Nora, and she was playing chess. It was different to how I imagined, said Nora. Mrs. Elm looked like she was halfway through a game. It's hard to predict, isn't it? she asked, looking blankly in front of her as she moved a black bishop across the board to take a white pawn. The things that will make us happy. Mrs. Elm rotated the chessboard through 180 degrees. She was, it appeared, playing against herself. Yes, said Nora, it is. But what happens to her? To me, how does she end up? How do I know? I only know today. I know a lot about today, but I don't know what happens tomorrow. But she'll be there in the bathroom, and she won't know how she got there. And have you never walked into a room and wondered what you came in for? Have you never forgotten what you just did? Have you never blanked out or misremembered what you were just doing? Yes, but I was there for half an hour in that life. And that other you won't know that. She will remember what you just did and said, but as if she did and said them. Nora let out a deep exhale. Dan wasn't like that. People change, said Mrs. Elm, still looking at the chessboard. Her hand lingered over a bishop. Nora rethought. Or maybe he was like that, and I just didn't see it. So, wondered Mrs. Elm, looking at Nora, what are you feeling? Like I still want to die. I have wanted to die for quite a while. I have carefully calculated that the pain of me living as the bloody disaster that is myself is greater than the pain anyone else will feel if I were to die. In fact, I'm sure it would be a relief. I'm not useful to anyone. I was bad at work. I have disappointed everyone. I am a waste of a carbon footprint, to be honest. I hurt people. I have no one left. Not even poor old Volts, who died because I couldn't look after a cat properly. I want to die. My life is a disaster, and I want it to end. I am not cut out for living. And there is no point going through all this, because I am clearly destined to be unhappy in other lives, too. That is just me. I add nothing. I am wallowing in self-pity. I want to die. Mrs. Elm studied Nora hard, as if reading a passage in a book she had read before, but had just found it contained a new meaning. Want, she told her, in a measured tone, is an interesting word. It means lack. Sometimes, if we fill that lack with something else, the original want disappears entirely. Maybe you have a lack problem rather than a want problem. Maybe there is a life that you really want to live. I thought that was it. The one with Dan. But it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But that is just one of your possible lives. 
and one into infinity is a very small fraction indeed. Every possible life I could live has me in it, so it's not really every possible life. Mrs. Elm wasn't listening. Now tell me, where do you want to go now? This passage hints at the idea that Mrs. Elm has an interior life separate from Nora. She knows things, and she's thinking about her chess game, and sometimes she doesn't bother to listen to Nora. That's interesting. There's a kernel of an interesting character there. Well, maybe in another life, I'll get to read that book. If you'd like to discuss these ideas with other people who have ideas about books, our Discord server is open to all of our patrons from Patreon and our YouTube channel members. Thanks for listening. Oh, before you go, have you noticed this podcast is free from ads? That's because it's sponsored by the Socratica Foundation. And the Socratica Foundation is sponsored by you. The Socratica Foundation is an educational nonprofit dedicated to the three timeless pillars literacy, numeracy, and critical thinking. Socratica Reads Podcast is part of our literacy campaign. You can learn more at Socratica.org.